everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Well, well, well. Here we have it. Shamrock Rovers usurped at the top of the table by Sligo Rovers. It turns out we actually do have a title race. Here on LOI Central today, in association with futureticketing.e, we're going to have one of the men of the moment with the bitter red, Jordan Gibson, who was with St. Pat's to Lennox last season and uh, switched over to the west of Ireland this season to play for Sligo Rovers and helped them to the top of the table uh, after that win over Shamrock Rovers on Monday. We are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. We're at LOI Central Pod on Twitter and don't be afraid to interact with us. Later on the show, a four-star pizza will be going to someone very lucky and presumably hungry uh, for the last round of games before the uh, little mid-season break or early season break, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so we have a lot coming on on the show today. I was actually in Cork for the game against Galway United after which I spoke to John Caulfield briefly on Friday. We're also going to hear from Adrian Carberry, the loan manager, maybe the surprise packages in Division 1. They're flying high, a uh, big game against UCD at the weekend. But Dan, um, you know, Danny Mandrew called up to the Ireland squad. It was one talking aspect since we were last on the show. I think... I'm caught mainly between how pathetic Dundalk were against Bowes, just how bad it was is the major talking point as against Shamrock Rovers losing to Sligo Rovers. They've had one point from their last nine now, Shamrock Rovers, and they're no longer top of the table. Yeah, look, we'll be struggling with our little bullet point board this week, wouldn't we? You know, mm. if we had to sort of summarise it to five points because you are, like, I mean, there's just two... Like, like there's two strands to it. I mean, well, there's three, four, five strands to it. Um, because it just goes to show how a Monday round of fixtures can completely overshadow a Friday round of fixtures in a double header. I mean, you consider on Friday, Dundalk after the protest and, and a lot going on, then beat, you know, ended the longest unbeaten run in League of Ireland history. The Shamrock Rovers. And you're looking at this going, now listen, they they wrote a look at times when Rovers hit the post and a lot of misses, but still. There was a sense up in Oriel on Friday after the game with Jim McGilton, and there was almost a sense of exhilaration from people there. Like, right, maybe this is it now. You know, maybe they can get the show back on the road. And those feelings are now completely redundant. Seventy-two hours later, when you've been turned over five-one, it's sort of uh, sort of a, a dreadful showing. Um, I, I, was at, I, I was in Tala, but then I think, in fairness, you know, fans of a of a Sligo Rovers persuasion um, will say, you know, that. There, they, they've slipped under the radar, and even you know, you know, it, but it, like it's 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 noteworthy that Shamrock Rovers went 33 games unbeaten and lost back to back. I mean, a couple of weeks ago we talked about a title race here, and we weren't very optimistic. Um, but it just goes to show, really, like how Shamrock Rovers earlier this season, at times, like you know, a lot of late goals and stuff to you know to get points on the board, that you probably can't keep that run going forever. You know, like you actually need to probably develop. Um, you know, like they did last year, you know, games that are over after an hour, you know, and they haven't had, they've only had a small number of them really this season for all that we expect them to be the dominant side. I mean, you know, in, in games against the likes of Drada, Longford, you know, um, uh, with the exception of probably the Waterford game, like, you know, like there's a lot of games where it's been alive within the last 10 minutes and you can't do it forever. Um, mm. but, 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 but Sligo Rovers, to be fair to them, and listen, we will talk more with Jordan Gibson, so maybe we won't do as much like Rovers here. But it, it just goes to show, and probably even in contrast to Dundalk and you know the, the chaos there, that you know in this league, if you have if you recruit well, and you have a sort of a sense of purpose that you've got the right players in the right positions, um, 
you, you can do well, you know, you can do okay, you know, and that they had issues last year. They finished well, but they identified a couple of problems. They 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 signed well and they have good local young players coming through, which I don't think can be uh under underestimated how important that is as well, because you don't need to, you know, like Niall Morahan and and uh, okay, he was he was prominent last year, but you know Johnny Kenny and Mark Byrne. It's effectively two new signings, but they're they're your own, um, and that that like that is you know a, a, an ingredient that can take you far enough. And I think, I think obviously you know having spoken to Celine Buckley after the game and in Tala, like I think they're all, they're very conscious that squad size might become an issue eventually. But mm. you know if you take it every game at a time and you look at their attributes and the fact that they have you know, a solid base and a spine, but then good attacking players and good attacking options who can rotate, you know, between sort of Parks and Figuera. De Vries, who I think is a good player, has barely been playing. Johnny Kenny, Mark Byrne, you know, you can you can, you can can do little switcheroos during games. Jordan Gibson, of course, is coming on, who would have been thought of as a wide player, but was playing centrally uh, and apparently wanted to play centrally. And so you can sort of rotate all of them around within games, but but keep your solid shape behind you. And they've got half a chance. You put that in contrast to someone like, like they've been been steady, you know, good defensive record and 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 hit teams efficiently. You look at someone like them, Doc. I mean, you know, on one hand they can they can beat Shamrock Rovers, who it seemed unbeatable, you know, and at, at that stage in terms of like the resilience to, to beat them, and yet to go out three days later, yeah, four down after an hour to bows. Like, I mean, Jim and Jilton, I thought made some good tactical calls on Friday. By using the pace of, of Dan Kelly's for the middle, for example. And I think there's probably a theme there where teams are now actually playing two strikers against Shamrock Rovers, against their, their back three. Mm. And sort of realizing that if you can try it, they're gonna have a lot on the ball. But if you have a bit of attack and speed, you know, you can you can actually ask questions of them when they lose it because they can be quite expansive. And particularly the last couple of days, as they are down bodies, Mandrew's been playing a bit deeper. Um and you know, they can be exploited. And it's interesting that the two teams back-to-back have played that formation. But then Dalton went to play against Bowles with, with pretty much the same 11. I can understand the argument as well, reward the same team, a bit of continuity. Um, I think it was the, like something like 89 matches or something since they'd, you know, I don't know, it was some mad stat James Rogers had up since they'd played the same team back-to-back. Um, but but actually, like it, it wasn't really suited to playing against Bowles. And I mean, maybe yeah. for the, the only kind thing you could say that maybe some of Friday's efforts took it out of them. You know, did it take it out of both teams that played in that game? I don't know. But mm. I think that's that 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 doesn't explain the, the severity of the defeat. And of course, people from Bowes would say, well, hang on, Bowes were very good too. And you were there, so you, you can give that perspective. Yeah, well, well we, we haven't even mentioned actually Drogheda, who won both their games as well, um, beating Watford, sorry, beating Finn Harps and then beating... Um, uh, Longford on Monday. So Drogheda have now won six games. Dundalk have only won three. And um, I suppose a couple of things I took from the weekend. When Shamrock Rovers played Derry and Tala, Derry nearly caught them badly from a Rovers corner. Like Derry had a three and one pretty much from a Rovers corner. And Daniel Lafferty kind of just made a complete scuff of his pass. And Dundalk exploited that really well with the um, McElhinney goal. So it's something Rovers need to look at because 
maybe they're scoring goals from corners, but just their own defending from corners is causing problems. Alan Manis was poor for uh, Daniel Kelly's goal, I think everyone will agree on. So so Rovers obviously then then went into the Sligo game, didn't really create that much. Danny Mandrew was kind of deployed into a deeper position because of injuries and all that. But Sligo... Well, he played there against the Dock as well. He played there against mm. the Dock. So they, they, played, they, they played almost like... I mean, the thing about... They're, they're, they're down sort of seven bodies in the dog and Christmas can come back onto the bench. I did listen, there are factors. I think that their personnel is guiding, you know, is, is influencing decisions. Like Graham Burke is, is apparently not even training between games and you can tell he was mm. hobbling out of Oriel on Friday. They played well, the front um, two of Green and Gaffney, but I mean, they, they, they just, it was, it was quite flat from them. And I mean, listen, when they lose a couple of games, there'll be all sorts of debates now. I mean, could they have changed shape within the, the the eleven that they had? I mean, then they lost Joey O'Brien in the first few minutes anyway. Like everyone's an expert when you lose, you know. Um, but there's the break there's is coming. There. The break is coming at a, at a pretty good time for them, um, which you wouldn't have thought like a few weeks ago. And that one more game, I, I don't think there'll be any panic stations at all. But but then just just the Dundalk thing, um, I, I think it's hard to overstate how they were borderline disgraceful on Monday. They were that bad. The goals they gave away, but you had Cameron Dummigan getting sent off, walking off the pitch before he was even given a yellow. One of, the, one of the really striking things for me was Chris Shields just absolutely lashing out at a player, like kicking him when they were, I think, 4-1 down. He got a yellow card, could have gotten a red card. The mental um, demise of this team is just off the charts. And it was, you know, I was looking around at the Dundalk kind of media slash personnel around me, and they just looked... I, they look demoralised, despondent. And to, to show what Drawhead have done with no budget, when you have too many players in the squad, too many new players brought in, almost too much money, they've just mismanaged the situation so bad. So bad. And after the Shamrock Rovers game, um, it was a tragic, tragic performance by Dundalk Monday. And I don't know where they go from here because Jimmy Jilton sounded like really, really demoralised afterwards. And he said it didn't shine well on him. But uh, the, de- the demise of a football club, I haven't seen anything as bad as this in the League of Ireland off the top of my head. How it could come to this? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing is that, I mean, yeah, Jim Jilton, so his comments afterwards were a mixed bag, really, because in, in the other mm. breath, he was saying they needed a massive clear out as well, too. Um, I'm not sure where, where that's sending a message to. Like, it's, it's obviously... Often that stuff is aimed at the dressing room to sort of shake people into life or whatever. I don't know, but um, I don't know. Like the fact that they can turn it on for for a particular game, but the fact when you think about it, like you know, they, they, their last three games against Shamrock Rovers, for example, they won the cup final, uh, albeit with a different squad. You know, like a chain squad. They were really unlucky in Tala. You could definitely argue. You know, the goalkeeper cost them badly in in that game when they. Certainly, there was a period in the second half in Tallow where they were very good anyway, you know, then they've beaten them at home. And yes, like, you know, they, 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 they don't win any of their other games, really, you know what I mean? Like, they, they've won sort of two out of their other matches all season. And when they, like they do have the biggest wage bill in the country, that doesn't always equate to the best squad in the country, but obviously it equates to not getting value for money. It equates to questions about recruitment. It equates to questions about uh, who signed the players. Um, was there a thinking behind it? I do believe that Filippo did sign most of the players, to be fair. Um, but um, obviously there was a couple of other signings, quirky signings that haven't really played, which you could definitely point uh, to the club. Um, and, and clearly, you know, th- there's obviously an element to which uh, Jim and Jilton can come in and, and be absolved of, of sort of blame because, you know, 
his, his the timing of his arrival was somewhat unusual. You know, like he a lot of deals would have been done by the time he even had started his job. Um, but but uh, like the one thing, the other thing you would say is that he has been caretaker for quite a while now, and I think mm. you know you have to take some, you have to have to take some degree of responsibility for that objective performance. And clearly, it's, there's like we've always had this question about the dog is are, are people being distracted there? And it's not an excuse, by the way. The players have to take a lot of grief, but have they been distracted? By other stuff going on around the place, like it doesn't look very happy for whatever reason. I'm not sure what that is. Is it things that have been said? Is it things that are going on behind the scenes? Is it the fact that everyone's out of contract? So when things start to go bad, you know, people invariably start to think of the future, you know, because they know that they're not on a three-year deal or they're not on a two-year deal, and um, with, with, with only one or two, Andy Boyle and, and one or two of the young lads. So do, do you suddenly start to think, which is maybe maybe we're better off out of this place? I, you know, it's it's it, it is it is like I did find being up in Dundalk on, on Friday. I know not every fan agrees with the protest, but I've experienced those views. I just found it quite sad that it had to happen, but I understand why it, why it did happen. Um, but people are now sort of caught in such a bind there because they're sort of looking at a protest and saying we need to speak up. But then people are also thinking on the flip side. But but do we really want to sour this ownership so much? What happens if they go? Could that be worse? And there's this, there's this dilemma around it. Um, but but whether whatever your opinion might be, what 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 is the case is that there's obviously factions probably within the fan base. I think there's factions within the club. I would suggest it's probably within the dressing room as well. You know, there's obviously different camps and different groups. Um, and and there's an overall sense of of chaos, which um, is in many respects very self-inflicted. Chaos, you know. When, and, I, uh, when I was down in, in Cork, it was just staggering to think that Dundalk and Cork have gotten to this situation. Cork struggling to beat a 10 man goal United, struggling to get into the playoffs in Division One at Turners Cross. Um, and yes, they might they might even wonder at the Dundalk situation and wonder which they'd prefer to be in because Dundalk's in danger of completely unraveling from a position of well, so much power. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is that you know it's funny, it's funny we go back to Sligo Rovers, like Sligo Rovers had a period in the, the early 2010s, you know, where they had those cup wins and the league win. Mm. And they did actually spend money on infrastructure around that time, so they have something to show for it. Um, and the, obviously the fear of the dock, they have amazing memories, but but do they have much more besides, you know? Now, listen, I also don't think the situation is beyond retrieval, um, but, you know, it's 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 sort of getting to the stage where, you know, does, does self-preservation end up, in a situation where like the wrong people end up going out the door. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think that that's, there's, there's a lot there. And I suppose if you appoint a decent managerial appointment, you know, with no baggage, uh, who can come in and, and sort of galvanize things, you still have a chance. Like, you know, single most important figure at the League of Ireland club still tends to be the manager of the first team. You know, they, they, they overcome the issues with resources elsewhere to, to get United front, but they've got a job on their hands. Yes, like they they've had some bad luck too. I mean, if they didn't have such a horrendous goalkeeping situation, you know, they'd probably That's have making. They no, no, it is. I'm just saying they'd probably have seven or eight more points. You know, realistically, so one bad defeat wouldn't be such a crisis. You know, because you're looking to, looking ahead and eight into the break. You know, like a bad defeat will happen. Uh, you know, they're missing three centre halves, and that's why Chris Shields is, is playing there now. Um, so there's 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 little things, you know, Huben has barely played this season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like I think that it's 
if you're losing games narrowly, that's probably a bit more of an excuse when you're getting absolutely turned over 5-1. Um, it's more of a crisis. But yeah, it's, it's not always a happy subject to talk about. Um, I think obviously um, the, 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 at least we do have a situation. I think we possibly feared that Dundalk's collapse would leave us with a season that was complete, you know, non-entity of a season at the top end of it. But Rovers, mm. but I think Rovers now, there's, it's actually their little wobble has opened the door for Sligo Rovers or Rovers, as Sligo fans will call them, uh, and St. Pat's. And even if Bowes can sort of keep going and like, you know, I mean, it's, there's a lot of elements to it. The race for Europe is going to be interesting. Um, so there's a, there's, a, there, there's a lot of intrigue around it, but we keep getting drawn back to that and dark story because it's so shocking. But obviously there's good stories and good things happening elsewhere yeah, in the yeah. too, which, which possibly in a way should, 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 should give people a bit of a back, the basics message in the sense that, you know, if you get your recruitment right and smart, uh, you can achieve things in this league and, um, and you can look outside the league for good players like the guests we have coming up now as well. It's not just a case of we just you just need tried and trusted League of Ireland players. That's clearly not true. There's there's good overseas recruitment to be done. Romeo Parks, you know, for example, who scored the goal on Monday. Um, but you know, you bring them in within a wage structure, and you don't just sort of throw a lot of stuff at a wall and hope some of it sticks. You know, um, and that's that's obviously the issue that they faced. But um, we should possibly move on to Jordan Gibson on a, on a more up, upbeat note and we can maybe talk about some of the other games later and some of the other storylines later when we're, when we're previewing the weekend's fixtures. Jordan Gibson coming in live from uh, the Sligo accommodation that he uh, enjoys with his fellow compatriots, his compatriots, Lewis Banks, and you're enjoying life uh, in Sligo and it's off the table, Jordan. How are you getting on? Yeah, it's been a good start. Um, settled in really well. Uh, enjoying it. It's a beautiful place to be honest. Um, and obviously on the pitch we're doing well as well. So uh, couldn't have asked for a better start. Living with Jordan a beautiful not- man, Lewis Banks. I mean, life just couldn't get any better. Exactly, yeah. Uh local lad as well, kind of near me in Birmingham. Uh, I think he's only an hour away from me. So we get on well and um yeah, it's it's been good. Is he the Jordan first bully I- we've had on the show, Dan? I'm trying to think. Um we might have had a couple. I think we'll we have a quiz question later when, when Jordan is going to be offered. It's going to be Brummy themed as well. So there's a history of uh, uh, Brummies going back, playing in the league here. But um, I'm not sure in recent history. I mean, we've had a, I mean, we had a couple of fellas from Brazil on. I'm not sure about Birmingham, though. Yeah, Where's Rodrigo yeah, Tossi yeah. from? Brazil or something. But anyway. Yeah, he is Brazil, um, yeah. Jordan, well, speaking of, I was actually, when I knew you were coming on, Jordan, I was in touch with Owen Doyle, um, who I know you spoke to before. Um, before going to, to relocate and out to Sligo Rovers. What, what was that chat? Like you were at Owen at Bradford, right? And he, he's very, yeah. he's very happy with how you've done. And um, I think he, I think he actually might've been giving the club some advice as well. So he was playing both sides here, you know, and he's sort of agent in waiting or something. But <laughs> what, what was the nature of your discussions with, with Owen? Yeah, I just, um, I just dropped him a message just to kind of get his opinion on Sligo and, and the League of Ireland. Obviously, when I went to St. Pat's, I didn't really understand the league. Um, so if I was going to come back, I wanted to get a better feel for the league. And, and Sligo was a club. So I just dropped him a message just to ask his opinion on the move and um, if he thought it would benefit me. And honestly, like what he said just kind of made my mind up. Um, you know, he said Sligo was, he had his best years in football at Sligo and uh, he enjoyed his time there and he just told me to embrace it and enjoy it. And that's what I've done. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd get in touch with him and 
obviously, um, it just helped me make my de- my decision. So, so when you finished up with Pats last season, I mean, what was your? We want to go back to maybe your earlier career in a bit, but when you finished up with Pats last season, like what? Because it was a weird time. Like you came in last year during the lockdown, and there was a couple of players signed to Pats, and I know football had shut down in England at certain levels, and there was a lot. A lot of weirdness going on in, in, in the football world around that time. I mean, like when you arrived over, were you just thinking, well, this will do me for a couple of months and we'll see what happens in the winter? Was that sort of your perspective? Yeah. Um, obviously, there was no set return date, set return date at, um, at England, in England. And kind of, I just wanted to get a few games under my belt. So I just went to St. Pat's, not really understanding the league and kind of. It was difficult because I had no pre-season. So I was doing a bit on my own, like I was cycling back home, like just enjoying my time off. And then the, the season started two weeks after I came. So it wasn't easy to get going, to be honest. Like here at Sligo, I've had a full pre-season under my belt and um, just getting to the flow of the game early doors. And that's benefited me a lot. Um, but at St. Pat's, I just thought, you know, it's a good opportunity to get a few games, a few starts under my belt and, and try and, you know, enjoy my football again. So... My plan was to return back to England afterwards. Um, but, you know, I just thought this is a good opportunity for me to get a full season under my belt and um, express myself. There's a suggestion that Liam Buckley was very keen to get you. He was in, in touch with you regularly enough, I believe, to try and get the deal done. Yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, he called me quite often. And to be fair, what he said on the phone kind of persuaded me to come. Just in terms of the style of play, um, what he expected from me, what he expected from the team, and um, he really sold the club to me. And to be fair, it's gone better than I expected it would at the moment. Um, and I've really enjoyed my football, so I couldn't have asked for any more. It's 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 very interesting that move that you made because, like, I think people who watched you last season could see potential. But whatever Buckley saw, he saw a lot more because he really went out of his way to sign you. And you know, you weren't necessarily starting all the games at Pats I, I remember seeing you a few times and, and you, you played well but were you taken aback by how much he seemed to want you yeah to be honest you know um, I have to give credit to the gaffer because at St Pats I didn't really feel like I'd, I'd done a lot I didn't play well you know oh, I have yeah. high standards yeah I have high, high standards and at Pats I didn't really get going and I wasn't really influencing games as I should be um, so wherever the gaffer I don't know why. Maybe because I didn't have a preseason, and you know, it was new to it's new new to integrate into the group so so soon. And obviously, um, I just feel like I just couldn't get my rhythm. Um, but whatever the gaffer saw, uh, I don't know. I don't know what his sin and thought right. He could be someone that Sligo could benefit from. I don't know because I didn't really feel like I'd done a lot at Pats and. Um, yeah, I didn't really know to, what to expect from the gaffer as well, to be honest. Like, I didn't uh, I didn't really know what he was about. Obviously, I heard a few things. Um, I got in, in touch with a few players that played under him before and they spoke highly of him, but um, it couldn't have gone any better, to be honest, and I've enjoyed working under him. So it's like a, the man might ideally pursue, like, the beautiful woman, the beautiful blonde or whatever. So this beautiful, not so much a beautiful blonde woman is, is going out of her way to get you, but a beautiful blonde-haired man, Liam Buckley. And can you believe how well it's worked out? I know, to be honest, I, when he called me, um, 
obviously because I wanted to stay in England, I kind of played it down a little bit. And then as he started talking to me more, I got more engaged in the conversation, um, his plans for, for the season. And um, I'm really happy that he, you know, decided to kind of pursue it because I've really enjoyed my football. It's the most I've enjoyed my football since I've started out playing professionally and um, I'm reaping the rewards and so is Sligo. So it's been a very, very good start for myself and the club. Jordan, just, just take us back a small bit then to how your career in professional football started because I think there's a bit of a story behind that as well too in terms of how you ended up getting to Rangers or to tell us about, about that. Yeah, I've had many, many setbacks and knockbacks throughout my footballing days. Um, obviously, I was playing Sunday League, went to West Brom at under-10s till under-12s, went to Stoke at under-13s, um, and I had to leave Stoke because um, my dad couldn't take me to training, my mum couldn't take me to training. It was kind of hard um, after school to get to training, so we had a driver and um, you know something happened with him and it just didn't work out, so I left play Sunday League, went on trial to uh, Birmingham City, Wolves, didn't get in. And uh, we had a final at Villa Park, uh, under 16s, and uh, somehow a Rangers scout was there. And I managed to go to Rangers. And, um, you know, I've always had setbacks. I've always, I got released from West Brom. I didn't get into clubs. So I've always had that kind of um, rejection uh, in, in my life. And, um, God, you're on the right podcast here anyway I went to Rangers with no fear I was at college at the time and I was actually working in shoe <laughs> I was actually working in shoe at 16 uh, retail and I was mm. at college and I went to Rangers with no fear I thought could be my last chance and thankfully uh, I've I done well but with a trial it can go one of two ways you can do well or you can obviously uh, not perform and thankfully I performed I was there for two years um, and then I went to Bradford and there was so much to, that happened at Bradford that I don't really want to get into, but... Um, Good or bad? You know, bad. Who, who was your manager at Bradford? I had six, I had six managers. Ah, if you want okay. me to name them all. <laughs> well, I mean, who, who are the yeah. ones that spring to mind in your, at first in, in your eyes? Um, Good. Stuart McCall, Gary Bowyer. Bad, David Hopkin. Um, look, I don't, I don't want to talk bad on the club because it's a good club and it's got good people in it. But what he did to a few of us lads was horrendous. Like he had us training on our own for no reason. So I was, I played. I think I came off the bench like eleven times. I started a game and then I didn't perform in that game. I got injured. I came back uh, and he kind of just shut me out. And the club captain at the time as well. And there was about eight of us. That he just um, he just made us train on our own with no footballs. We used to just run around the pitch, twenty minute Cooper runs a day. Couldn't go in the same meeting room as the rest of the lads. Couldn't be in the gym at the same time as the rest of for no reason. Um, and we'd done that for two months. And thankfully, that's when I got my move to Stevenage, my loan move, because from October till the end of January, I was running around a football pitch with no footballs for three months. Mm. Um, and it was, That's difficult. It was hor- That's difficult. Horrible. Oh, You're only horrible. Well. Because, like, you're—I assume, like, Bradford is 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 far enough from home. Like, so, are you? What type of accommodation are you living in there? If you know what I mean, I'm talking about your day-to-day yeah. life. Like, football is generally 
training is probably the best part of the day if you're living away from home. But if training yeah. is a miserable part of the day, the rest yeah. of the day is probably a difficult, you know? That's the thing. I think it's about two and a half hours away from home. So I didn't go home a lot. So I'm, I'm away from home. I'm not playing football. I'm not playing games. Not training with the team. Just basically isolated and it's it was horrible. And, um, you know, I was really thankful to get out of the club at that time because... I don't know if I would have coped for another six months doing that. Mm. Mm. But mm. It, did, it did get sacked um, in February and then Gary Bowie came in. Obviously, I was at Steelers at the time and then uh, I returned to Bradford in the summer and uh, I kicked on then. I got injured, unfortunately, because I really feel like I could have had a big season then. Um, but, yeah, it's what it is. It just to go back to that uh, final in Villa Park that you played, you say Sunday League, but was it like an underage Sunday League? Like, was it sort of a you know, a local sort of boys club, if you know what I mean, or what that yeah. level was that that you were playing in? in yeah, literally, it was game. like, yeah, it was under 16s. It was like a local Sunday league team. Um, yeah. And, you know, we was kind of known as the best team in the Midlands kind of thing at the time. We had good players, um, players that have gone on to play um, high level in the game, but literally, um, it was just make or break like that day was make or break I probably wouldn't even be where I am now if it wasn't for that that final then so really yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, and did you did you know that before it or was it a bonus that it happened after if you know what I mean like the fact that the Rangers did, did you know there might be scouts at that game I guess I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 we kind of knew yeah we knew there was going to be scouts there a lot of obviously I went to on the back of playing for that that club um I went to Blues you know, Blues was watching me as well. Um, so there's a few scouts that watched our games and obviously that game of that magnitude of um, kind of that standard. We knew there was going to be scouts there. It's obviously, thankfully, I performed because um, if I had a bad game in that game, I wouldn't I wouldn't be playing professional probably because it was quite, mm. you know, 16. I probably would have dropped into non-league and had to work my way up kind of thing. So um, that's football, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as you say, Blues. Were you a Blues? Were you a Birmingham City fan growing up, or Villa? No, no, or... Aston Villa fan. Villa all the way, yeah, yeah. Aston yeah. Villa fan all the way, yeah. And that's the only club in the Midlands that I haven't been on charge to or played for. Right. Okay. Co- Coventry yeah. as well, but you know, I went to Warsaw Wolves, um, Stoke, West Brom. Like I've been to all of them, and not Villa, so hopefully I'm trying to maybe one day. <laughs> that's that's still the dream. That. Still that's like a roller coaster. Like it's it's a mad life football, isn't it? Like the roller coaster of emotions you go through. Like particularly at a young age, like particularly age 13, 14, to be talking about being let go by clubs. Like it's obviously a very, you know, it's it's a hard thing to go through. I can imagine, you know, because you're up and down then a lot with it, probably. Yeah, devastating. I remember getting released at West Brom at twelve, and I thought it was the end of the world. Like I thought, oh, I'm never going to make it now. But that's kind of the mindset you have at that age. Like you, don't, you don't see the bigger picture at that age. You don't really know the world of football. You just think that you should be in academy all the way up till you're 16, pro contract, first team, whatever. But it doesn't work like that. But at the time, I was heartbroken. Um, but yeah, that's just um, the way it goes in football. And you're going to go through rejection. You're going to go through hard times. And um, you just got to keep fighting, you know? So now the, the opposite side, you're, in, you're seeing the opposite side of things now, like you're scoring goals this season live on TV, albeit here, but I assume you've got friends or family able to watch your games at home or whatever, you know, yeah. viral clips of amazing strikes and, and, and all of this, like, 
is that like what type of lift does that give you i mean like in terms of because you are away from home which i imagine it's not easy still to be away from home in a different country particularly in a lockdown when it's not the full the full uh the full sligo social experience that owen doyle probably would have told us about on the on the show before you know it's it's a it's a diminished version of that at the moment but like are you get what type of boost are you getting from just just doing well if you know what i mean and being able to say to people here's the goal i scored at the weekend and that type of thing yeah it's, it's good um obviously i'm just happy that i'm playing football and i'm injury free um and i've always believed in myself and I don't even think I think I'm at my best at the moment. That's a thing. Like I've just come to a new club. I'm 12 games into the season, and there's a lot more to come from me. But it, it is very, very good that I've had this start, and um, it's given me a lot of confidence because you know the last few years I've, I've only played 20 minutes here and there, and not really been able to influence games. And at the moment, I'm I'm doing that, and you know I'm I've got family and friends that watch all my games from back home and, you know, I can see how proud they are of me and how happy they are that I'm doing well um, and the team's doing well. So that's what gets me going, you know, gets me up every morning um, and, what, and makes me want to perform is for my friends and family back home uh, because I can see how much it means to them as much as it means to me. So um, obviously it's hard being away from home, but to have that support from, from home um, just, you know, really motivates me. What, what was it like in the dressing room and on the bus back to Sligo on Monday after, oh, a, after a win like that? Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, obviously buzzing to go up there and win. We knew it wasn't going to be easy, but we had the incentive that if we won the game, we'd go top of the league. and um, It just shows the character in, in, the, in the team. And the journey back was unbelievable. On the bus, sing songs. Everyone up banging, banging the uh, the bus, just getting going. Didn't have a few drinks with us. That was the only thing. But um, nah, why not? I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna get a few after the game, but the shops are closed and they don't serve after ten or nine or whatever. So no, Jordan. No, Jordan. The prof- Jordan, can I just stop you there? The professional answer to that question is Finn Harps on Friday, right? Finn Harps yeah, Finn Harps Friday, Finn Harps Friday. But yeah, just a couple would have done. <laughs> it is it is mad though like you've you you nearly beat Shannon Overs at home you beat them away you beat Bowes away you beat Dundalk away nearly beat Pats so you're basically really competing against the best teams like should we be whispering that Sligo are in the title race or do you, do you, are you starting to believe now because you're probably only getting going as well yeah look we've there's a lot of good teams in this league uh, he's very oh, come competitive. On now. He's show. gone from like he's gone from. We should have had beers on the bus. Should have had the crack to given the stock answer. Oh, there are a lot of good <laughs> nah, teams in the league. <laughs> no, nah, look, there there is a lot of good teams in the league. Obviously, you know you've seen the results recently. You know we got beat off Derry and um, teams are getting getting beat off other teams, and it is a mm. very competitive league this season. Um, Arena Tartar is possibly, I believe so. Mm. My personal opinion is that we are because we've. You know, the, the first 13 games, we've proved that we are, um, we should be up there. You know, we deserve to be up there. And for us, it's about staying competitive, um, you know, keeping focused and taking game by game and seeing where we go. But I believe so, yeah. What, what age are you now, Jordan? 23. 23. So I'm just trying to think back when, when Liam Buckley was 
um, involved with St. Pat's. We're talking like you were you were a baby anyway when he was. He was probably well, he won the league and he won the league for the first time in 1998, which I'm guessing is probably the year you were born, right. Jordan. Wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was February, February 1998. I was born, yeah. Yeah. So you don't, you don't remember that then, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, don't. <laughs> I always, I always like to think of Lee Buckley as definitely one of the managers who brought in a kind of a passing style in the League of Ireland. I, I certainly thought that, but th- that was a long time ago. So the league is, the league isn't necessarily, you know, you look at Roy Hodgson, kind of leaving Palace or whatever at the age of 73. But for the older manager, it's not necessarily that, you know, easy to get jobs now. And Liam Buckley was, when he left Pats, it was hard to know where it was going to go from. The job he's done at Sligo from the position pre-lockdown last year where they had four defeats, they've been the best team in the league um, to some extent, like after that, and they're obviously top of the league now. What is he like to play for? Because he, he must have a good judgment of, of, of how to sign a player, but a good judgment of character. And you are playing nice football as well. Yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough of him. Like, he's the best manager that I've worked under, and I've had a lot of managers, but he's the best. Like, you just you'd run you'd just run through like brick brick walls for him. Like, do anything for him. Um, it's just so calm in the dressing room. You know, he doesn't shout, he doesn't scream. And he, he said that to me before I signed as well. He said like, I don't scream, I don't shout. You know, I just want the team to do well, and he's just give. The whole team freedom, the back four, uh, and Edin goals been solid, and it's just allowed the front four to to do what they do. You know, you got Greg and Nile in there that just do what they do best as well, which is break up play, keep the ball moving, get us ticking. Um, and I just feel like it's just is, you know, it's got a style of play and and a way of playing that we've just bought into and. Um, yeah, we're doing well at the moment. I mean, so. Jordan, like if I, I looked, you know, I looked up doing a bit of research in your career earlier, and everything says winger, 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 winger. But no, 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 you're, sh- no, no. you're shaking no. your head. Yeah, it says winger everywhere. But you're obviously playing like you played centrally on 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 Monday. I don't know how you would describe. It. You were sort of behind Romeo, I guess. But I mean, at times it was like a front two. Other times you were playing off him. But but clearly, I I think that's a position you enjoy, right? Like you're you're very happy centrally. Yeah, I'm not a winger. <laughs> Let's well, make that listen, not, don't blame me. Blame the internet. No, blame know, the internet. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. But obviously, when I went to Rangers, I was a 10. And they changed formation and they put me out on the left wing. And ever since then, I've been put on the left wing just because managers and people perceive me as a winger. Like, oh, he's, he's playing on the left wing. And I've just been stuck out there. And it's not until I, I said that, look, I, I want to play in the 10. I said it to a few managers at Bradford. Obviously, I wasn't playing. Um, I was only young and probably looked at me like, oh, no, I'm not going to put you in there kind of thing. And the gaffer here, to be fair, he said to me, because obviously I started on the right wing, and I said to him before I came, um, like, I want to play in the 10. Because I started on the right wing and obviously I was doing okay. You know, I was um, I was influencing games on the right. And I said to him, like, I want to be in the hole. Like, I, I need to be behind the striker. And... Um, he was like, oh, well, we'll have to see about that kind of thing. Like, you're doing well on the right. Um, and I had to build up that trust that um, I can play in that position. And obviously, I, I got put in there against Pats. And ever since, I think I've played in there four games. I've got three goals, one assist. And I just feel like I'm I'm better in there because I can drift to the left. I can drift to the right. I'm not out the game, you know, just on one 
one side of the mm. pitch. I can influence the game on both sides. I can drift out wide if I need to. If there's space out wide, I can go out wide. But I just have a sense like in the middle. Um, and my work rate as well. I'm not big myself up here, but I do work a lot off the ball. And I can help out Nile and Greg um, defensively and mm. just start attacks going forward as well. You know, transition from a defence to attack, I can carry the ball well. And I feel like if I'm on the wing, I can't I can't influence the game as I can um, in the 10. So hopefully long may it continue that I stay in there and um, I can do well. Just what the league has done for you, Jordan, like, you know, you... You know, you, I'm sure on your journey through English football and, and Scottish football, um, and even growing up in, in Birmingham, or whatever, that there's so many talented players in, in the UK. And, and I would chat to lads all the time who would talk about how competitive it is, how hard it is to get contracts and stuff. Like, do you think the league here can be a real benefit to, to lads in that position? You, you probably know talented lads who've dropped out of the game who might have thought, oh, Ireland, I'm not sure about that. You know what I mean? As a, as an option, but it can really reboot careers as in the history of the league is, is littered with those examples. Yeah. Um, to be honest, like the, the league here is full of talent that I wouldn't know about. If I didn't come here, I wouldn't have known about any of the teams, any of the players. But now I'm here, I'm, I can comfortably say that a lot of players in this league can play in England without a doubt, without a doubt. Like there's players in our team that I've not seen their talent in League One and League Two. League Two, mm. especially, there's not players in League Two that are better than players in this league at all. Um, so obviously, when you're in England, you don't really look in the League of Ireland. But if I was a manager and I've obviously played in League of Ireland now, I've seen the talent. If I was a manager in England, I'd be coming over to the League of Ireland and getting players in my team in England to improve the team, not just our young talent like that can develop and whatever. I'll be getting players of a good age that can improve my team in England without a doubt. Like I've I've seen a lot of talent in this league and um there's a lot of players that can can play higher. Yeah. To be fair as well, like you you, you they're, they're, it's a decent standard to watch as well. Like the ball is primarily on the ground. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know that suits my game because in League Two, especially like the play, the playing style here is it's so good. Like the standard is very, very good, and the way that teams want to play, you know, we we do keep the ball on the deck, we do move it well. Um, and like for example, like Greg Bulger, like I've not had a play like that in my dressing room for the last six years, and that's why I keep mentioning him in every interview that I do, like the influence he has on the team, because I've not I've not seen that in England in the teams that I've been at, like, just how commanding he is, how, you know, like, just dominant he is in, in the middle of the pitch, on and off the field as well. And, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of talent in this league, like. No yeah. more than yourself. And we we got to wrap up with, um, are you are you conscious when, when they get crowds back? So I go pound for pound the best supported team in Ireland in terms of the the, the, the population locally. Fantastic ground, fantastic plans. But it, it, it does seem a special place. I know you, you can't really appreciate it yet, but that kind of vibe around the town, it's a small place. Football is basically the sport in Sligo, and uh, the crowd's going to be good, especially if you're top of the if you're top of the table and running away with the league title as it, as it goes on this season. Uh, I won't be running away. It'll be tight. It'll be tight. It'll be team, there'll be teams that you know uh, are chasing us at the moment, and we might be chasing teams as well. 
But mm. to have the fans back in will be very, very beneficial for us as a, as a club and as a team because we miss them a lot. It's not it's not the same without fans in any stadium, even playing away from home. Like I enjoy that um, that fans get on the opposition players back, and we do miss it in the game. And um, you know, hopefully um, we get them in soon because, as you said, like Sligo is a very fan driven club, and the community is all about football. And you know, even though there's a lot of places that are shut down at the moment. You do feel it in, in the in the town. Um, hopefully, when they do come back in, we're doing well as a team and we can uh, make them enjoy it. Well, Jordan, I have to say, it's been, it's been great having you on. One last question for him, Dan. There's always a last question, Johnny. Two-line <laughs> question. Line of duty or Peaky Blinders? I'll be honest. Line of duty, I can't, I can't watch it because there's no BBC... Uh, in Ireland, I can't. I can't connect. Yeah, it says that right. it's not available. No, there, there is BBC in Ireland. They've given you the wrong house. No, 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 the eye player, the eye player, right? The eye player, eye player. Do you yeah, know what a television is? I know what TV is. Yeah, but I can't get onto BBC. I've, look, I prefer Peaky Blinders just because it's Birmingham based, and it's very enjoyable. Listen, Jordan, there will be people listening to this who will be able to illegally fix you up with that, but obviously we don't want to encourage that in any way. But if we can find oh, Jordan on whatever social media platform... Yeah, please sort me out. Sort me out. You need, you need happy man. players. You need happy players for them to prosper on the pitch. You have this exactly. like, serious line <laughs> of duty. I, I, I'd say there's overseas players in Sligo that have had worse requests granted to them over the years. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, you know, an illegal box set is probably low down the list. I mean, we did have the Paul Cook years, but anyway... Right, let's 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 wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Um, it's been great having you on, Jordan, and hearing a bit of your story. And um, yeah, we will hopefully talk to you later in the season, in person somewhere, maybe. And uh, best of luck with the rest of the year. Tom, Thank man. you very much for having me on. Cheers. Yeah, so that was Jordan Gibson, who um, was probably up there, Dan, I would argue, as one of the best players that has played in the league so far this season. Just talking to Sligo fans, he's played in, as he mentioned himself, a few different positions, but he's been pivotal. Um, maybe, you know, a little bit of a regret with St. Pats that they let him go, but Lee Buckley obviously saw something and uh, so seems an all-around good lad as well. Yeah, Sligo Rovers fans, by the way, you're going to have us kill, Johnny. Um, yeah, like you, listen, he's been a great signing. I mean, it, is, it does does show sometimes with talent spotting in this league, like it, it can be one person, one manager brings a player in, and then another club probably gets the best out of those players, mm. you know? And, uh, you know, I suppose in, in the past, actually, uh, Rovers, Sligo Rovers have been vi- victims of that, you know, with, with Cork City taking some of their players. Kieran Sadier, for example, you know, springs to mind. Um, and a couple of others maybe that were less successful, but it's it's the broader point, you know. You, you see a club bringing players to the league, and and, and they they thrive elsewhere. I think we spoke about this a small bit last week. Um, but yeah, no, listen, it's 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 great that they are up there competitive. Um, and you know, there's well, there's three points between the top three teams in the league at the moment. So, um, it's you know, the, the, there is at least like you know a sense that this weekend, for example, you know, there's. There's three different games that you're that will all be significant in their own way. Like you're gonna have Pats and Dundalk. You're gonna have so Finn Harps and Sligo Rovers is first on, on Friday. So it's you know, can Sligo Rovers get the win that, that guarantees that they are top? Okay, they do or they don't, but let's say they, they don't. You have a situation where Pats can move level with them at home to Dundalk. And then on Saturday you have Longford Chamber Rovers just, you know, to, to 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 give us that sense of, you know, actually. You know, the positions are changing at the top of the table, and there was it's that feeling also a bit that maybe screwed up. Positions wouldn't change at all. 
It's also a bit screwed up because uh, like Bowes haven't watched them sort of in three or the last three or four games. They're pretty much on a par with nearly anyone in the league at the moment, the way they're playing. They were very unlucky to lose against Pats. They absolutely hockey Dundalk. Um, and it's going to be a fascinating kind of, you know, once we get out of the break, I think Bowes will do well. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Dundalk, but you have three other teams, obviously, the two Rovers and Pats that are bang up there. Hey, imagine if it was an 18-game season. Just imagine yeah. that. Like, you know, it, is, it, isn't, doesn't it go to show, like, how, in a way, like, how exceptional it was that Shamrock Rovers blew everyone away in 18, in 18 games in such a way that you couldn't really argue with the outcome. But the flip side of it is, you know, you will see this season, I think, you know, a league table after 18 games, you know, you could have so many positional changes by 36, you know, like dramatic swings. And it does have that feel of like, a, you know, like I think maybe because of last season, we, you have it in your head that it's a crisis mode for a team if they start slowly. You know, and even Bowes are possibly an example of that. Like, can you imagine an 18 game season? You know, the view what it would have been after probably nine games, eight, nine games, halfway there. So, um, you know, they have loads of time to turn it around. I suppose the one interesting thing, um, maybe about the title situation, which we should mention, is that we will get into Europe. And, well, of the teams we mentioned there, I mean, the ones that aren't in it are St. Pat's. So, and mm. um, they're not going to, they're going to have a sort of a steady, uninterrupted fixture schedule um, whereas the other clubs are going to have to deal with you know and, and we hope that they have to deal with a lot you know and we hope yeah. they have to deal with lots of games um, but obviously for St. Pat's this year um, as much as it's an absolute pain not to be in Europe at least this time round it might be something that, that works to their advantage yeah. but um, you know that, that is a point that should be made we are speaking here after watching that penalty shootout tonight um, between, between Villarreal and, and Manchester in the Europa League um, which didn't quite make it to the 12-11 of Shamrock Rovers, uh, Ilva's last year, Ilva's Tampa, the, the Finnish team. So it got to yeah. got to 11-10. So at least we did have a, an Irish, uh, you know, an Irish record in the uh, the Europa League this season. Yeah, the um the, the other team to mention are Derry, who um, went up to Rovers to Shamrock Rovers and got a great result. Could have won the game. Uh, got a draw against uh, Pats. Could have won the game. Went to Bowes. Won the game. Um, another team that are definitely on the up at the moment. I, I just think it's make it's going to make. There's Sir Alex Ferguson on the pitch looking well as well. I think he's a guts of eighty now. Have you have you seen talking to a manager in the league who's already uh, watched the documentary on the big man? Probably trying to pick up a few hints here or there. Well, that, I mean, listen, that that was a. Good... <laughs> you started off with Derry, and then we started off doing say what you see. You know, I mean, yeah. like we were watching the penalty shoot. I mean, like you see it, say you can't get yeah, it's just you, you can't get distracted in the background here. Great good thing, hand, good thing I didn't, more behind the goal again. We're, we're recording it late at night. It's a good thing we didn't put on the Sky News. We just start like blurting <laughs> out things about Dominic Cummings or whatever it is that we're seeing on screen. Interesting, which is mad stuff, by the way. But it's like yeah. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, if someone, if some of people at League of Ireland clubs went into uh, you know panel settings with a tell-all attitude, you know, I mean, it's making some of the FEI committee hearings in the day look like <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't know, a North, North Korean show of some description. Which I suppose they were in a certain way, actually, that I think of it. They absolutely um, were. But anyway, slight tangent, but I mean, it brings us all the way back to Gdansk, of course, where we had some of the great Irish football moments of recent times, just none of them actually took place on the pitch. Back to Derry. Um, yeah, listen, Derry have 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 hit their ground running-ish, I suppose, under Murray Higgins. Like, they had the Finn Harps game, which was a pretty big hiccup. Um, but, but uh, 
again, I suppose the interesting thing is if you have managers there, a couple of managers, possibly, you know, you can extend it to Mark Bertram at Waterford as well, who've inherited teams, you know, what are they going to do in July? Because you get the sense, and I spoke to Rory Higgins when he got the job, um, and, and clearly, like, you know, I, I don't think it's a, I'm sure he said it in other interviews as well, like, you know, I'm sure strengthening in July will be part of it. But actually, it's a real challenge for a new coach or a new manager, you know, to, to come in. But you can't really do anything in terms of, say, recruitment. So it's about what you can do with that group of players. And certainly, you know, he, you know, he's doing a good job at the moment. I suppose, in a way, you know, they, they went to Tala and, and showed something that could be done, you know, in terms mm. of uh, that was possibly a statement from them and they've managed to follow up on it. But um I said when we had Jordan Gibson on that we were going to have a brummy themed four-star pizza. I'm as intrigued as everyone else on this because I don't know what it's about. Okay. Well, it's simple. Uh, Well, it's simple if you know the answer, obviously. Um, Name the brummy um, who played for all four of the big clubs in Dublin. The four, the Shells, the Pats, the Bows, the Rovers. Do we have a clue Um, as to what era or? Um, I oh, think, I think people I should know, be able yeah. to get this. People yeah. should, again, Johnny, if you could try not to answer it, it on away. air, that would be possibly preferable. We did get more people um, voting in, though, with with the kind of giving it away type uh, vibe that we yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, the whole point is again, it's not like it's not sort of say what you hear. It's like if, if you ask a question, you shouldn't, shouldn't answer it straight away. You should have a degree of suspense here. Um, and if there's more than one that did it, uh, I haven't prepared for that. Uh, at all so if you can provide another Brummie and it's factually correct we, we will enter you in the draw okay I, I, I have mention, a particular um, Brummie in mind I gotta mention Dylan O'Connell um, who won the pizza two weeks ago was a bit sluggish on this on the send them down the pizza but uh, who was beside me to my left in the Jacks at Turner's Cross at the urinal on Friday only young Dylan so I was like well done on the pizza as we both went for uh uh, relieved ourselves at half time in Turner's Cross. There was relief for John Caulfield, of course, as well, uh, because they got a one all draw. It's just crazy the season Galway United are having all these late goals. Caulfield strikes a fairly positive tone after the game. We're going to hear from him and Adrian Carberry, a bit of a first division update, Dan. Well, we're going to have a bit of a, a, a mix. It's like, it's like the, you know, back in the day, you'd be in the, uh, you'd be in the, I think they would call them the discos in the country or the nightclubs, the one in town. And you'd have like the five mega mix. I mean, this isn't quite the five mega mix. It's just two first division managers talking. But not really, you know, not really what you're, you know, it's not something you dance to. You're going to turn yeah. 40 next year. Just, just, just saying that. Yeah, no, I'm going to turn 40 yeah. next year in the next calendar year. Yeah, as am I as well. Yeah, you know, uh, life begins. All that. So if you Strike. go back to your old disco at home now, like you go in, remember when like the, when you were there and you were like, I don't know, 18 or 19, even younger, and there were outlets there, you'd, you'd absolutely look down on them with disdain. Like, what are you doing in the disco? Like, there's every chance I'd be there next year. So these kids looking, what are you doing in the disco? You're 40 odd. Well, once you don't turn up in my local disco, obviously, it's very embarrassing. But it, 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 is, it is true, like, you know, that we, we probably shouldn't do that. Um, but, but of course, like, you know, maybe when society reopens, um, we will lose all of our conventions and and decide, you know, that we just just live and let live. You know, you can do whatever you want. You know, let's let's mm. let's live judgment free. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this who've uh, been in places they shouldn't at an older age. I think that's probably our demographic. Um, but anyway, 
uh, where were we again? Oh yes, the first yeah, division mix. There's a bit of you. There's a bit of you talking. To the Galway United media officer must be stressed. So this is effectively again a broadcast <laughs> from um, North Korean state television. Uh, as you spoke to John Caulfield, the great leader, uh, after uh, the game in Turner's Cross, and then subsequent to that, we got a bit of WhatsApp audio from Adrian Carberry here. Um, who, who took a real professional approach to this by, by including the questions sent to him in his audio clip. So he didn't... And also praise you for one of the questions, like, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I admire that, obviously. I mean, um, it was obviously clearly a good question. But it's almost a bit like, uh, did you see that thing Barrytown last week? It was a, yes. a, a review of the commitments. So it's almost like Jimmy Rabbit interviewing himself in the bath. Now, I don't think Adrian Carberry's in the bath. It sounds like he's out in about a car. But if he was in the bath, by the way, that's fine. We will take WhatsApp audios from anyone, whatever situation you may be in. Um, but we did hear from John Caulfield and we did hear from Adrian Carberry. We'll go for Caulfield first and then a bit of Carberry. Uh, the Carberry one is, is longer and a bit broader about what Athlone are achieving this season from clearly what was, you know, rock bottom or very close to it in recent seasons. I was kind of coming into the ground as you were around. They're yeah. saying hello to people that you used to know down here. Yeah. Um, this is obviously your first time back. It must be a somewhat strange feeling to be back across. No, it was fantastic, Johnny. A fantastic club. Um, everyone knows my history here. And, um, you know, it would have been fantastic to the supporters here. But I love coming back, meeting all the people, all the stewards, all the people, Colin, you know. Um, all of those lads that played in the team were all lads that, that, that I gave their debuts to. So, um, you know, um, you know, great to come back in a fantastic club, fantastic place. And, uh, you know, but it's great for coming down with a team that, you know, I know how difficult this place is. I know how, you know, how it's um, a hotbed and it's a difficult place to get results. So it's great to come down with a team and put up a good performance and come out with a result. Just as well, the last, the next time we come here, there will be a crowd. It could be a big game. And, you know, you look forward to nights like that where you're back at the cross and the, the crowd are probably arguing the toss over them decisions and giving you a bit of abuse and giving other players a bit of abuse and having the crack and we'll have that soon hopefully it would be great to come back yeah, and I won't get abuse here John I have yeah. fantastic relationship with you, you, I was just saying that you would have been well received tonight as well for the memories that you brought to Cork City and Turner's Cross they were 30 years everyone I meet in the streets and around the city and county no, there's, I have a fantastic relationship but uh, um, I suppose when I yeah. say abuse you're so passionate on the sideline they might react to some of your uh, catcalling for the no, season no no they'd, they'd be disappointed <laughs> if I wasn't like that because yeah. that's the way I've been for 30 years so they'd be disappointed so from that point of view uh, from that point of view um, um, yeah should we wait and see it's a long way off you know what I mean the most important thing for us is that we have a big game next week first third of the season you know we, we're, 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 we're mid-table uh, we're well positioned and uh, we just need to kick on a bit um, so the first question was are you happy with the season so far um, and look we have to be delighted with how things have gone so far in the first division um, coming off the back of a poor season last year having made a lot of changes bringing in a lot of new faces we thought it would be a, more of a struggle at the start and we, we struggled to find our feet but we hit the ground running we were delighted how it started um, had a little blip recently with three defeats and a trot looking back at the games you know one was totally avoidable uh, Cavantini didn't take our chances and just left ourselves open. Uh, Shelburne, although we coughed up a few chances, you know, we still were in it with the last kick of the game. We could have got a penalty maybe, you know. So, so 
uh, and Limerick we just didn't perform well that night I didn't think and um, didn't do enough to, to warrant a win um, or a result you know but overall um, back to winning ways again um, looking good in a you know first round of games finished and uh, we have to be del- delighted where we are up, up challenging and, and, and that's where we want to be you know so we are delighted where, where we are at the moment um, question two will crowds get behind you on your return to the to, two crowds look Athlone is a football town and I, I think the team has to do well and you expect that from people if the team is going well people will get behind you there has been a huge um, interest in Athlone and social media from the local people here and I'm sure no doubt when, when the gates open up please God we're all looking forward to it that, that a crowd will come in to watch us and hopefully we can put on a show that we have been doing in games um, playing attractive football and, and they'll be interested in that and they'll be proud of the team uh, representing Athlone so that, that, that hopefully they will get behind us and we're looking forward to that day um, question three was uh, what's the realistic ambitions for for the season so I suppose you start off every season don't you and you, you want to win the league um, that, that's it like, and, and then you get going but yeah look being realistic it, it's been a huge upheaval for us we're still a small budget team we're, we're trying to, to get there but we don't want to be known as at Lone Town bottom of the table second from bottom we want to push on we want to bring in decent players here that want to prove themselves you know and maybe it might be starting stone starting point for them now at the moment but i mean we're happy to get good players in here that want to work hard for athlone and work hard uh, play football and uh, we, we've we've done that so looking at that we want to be up push, pushing for promotion we want to be in those places come the end of the season and i, I mean towards the top end of it you know so the top two or three places we're, we're, we're looking to get there um, it's a big stretch we've some fantastic teams in the league some of these teams are full-time as well they might have started slowly but now now gathering momentum um, and getting better all the time so it is going to be a real struggle for us because there's no easy games in this division and uh, we just have to keep going one game at a time the old cliches but keep going and trying to trying to keep putting points on the board so i suppose realistically we're, we're trying to make sure that we're in the playoffs come the end of the season I think Dan has a question at the end there. How how do feelings compare now to feelings after the eleven nil defeat to Dundalk in the FAI Cup? Um, was that a reckoning moment for the club? And, and great question, Dan. And and, and yes, uh, for sure, it was very disappointing. Having done well um, with, with players that, that that really really did well for us, but maybe somewhat limited. Um, did fantastic for us in the cup run, and we're delighted with that, and, and deserved a chance against Dundalk. It's just unfortunate we didn't show up on the day, and uh, you know, four week lay into the game where we couldn't, you know, have training games or anything going into it. it really hampered us. I, I I felt, but look, there's no take getting away from it. Losing eleven nil, it was very disappointing for myself and the management team. We went went away and had a good look at ourselves, and and, and you know there was questioning times were we good enough to bring this forward or could we really do anything with it, you know. But looking now and and how well we've done, how well we've recruited, um, it's a it's a team effort, but on the pitch, but also behind the scenes as well with the club. The club did come to us and say, look, we're never going back there again, and um, we want to push on. We want to support you, and without that support, it would be very hard. So yes, it was, I, I really do think it was a reckoning moment for the club. I think they're fed up with that, and they want to push that loan on, and, and, and again, you know, make it loan people proud of the, of a team that represents them. So yeah, things have changed for us now, and we want to just keep it going the right way, keep adding to it, and we've done that around the grounds, the facilities. We're still trying to do stuff. There's a new grass pitch coming on on stream now next couple of weeks. Um, so it's it's all going the right way right way at the moment. It, it has taken an awful lot of work from from a few amount of people, um, like a, I suppose in a lot of many other clubs. But it's going the right way. We're delighted how it's going. Um, and, um, 
things are looking bright for Athlone in the future and we just need to keep going uh, week by week and making sure that the team are, are doing well as well. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mad first division, Dan, but there is a slight danger of shells. If shells beat Go United on uh, Friday night, um make my return to Talca Park, um Shelburne, well they're five clear UCD, they'll they'll be actually eleven clear of Galway, which sort of probably rule us out somewhat of the title race. But um anyway, if shells if shells go and win it, there's gonna uh, be Johnny, a you have to stop you you have to stop declaring title races over. I mean you said Said Shamrock Rovers had it won after the Pats game. I mean, you know, I don't think I did. To be fair, uh, did, did you say? Or maybe you asked a question. You asked. A I question. asked a question. Anyway, I didn't. I didn't know. Although I, I suppose though, even... listen. I like the idea of the Galway United media officer writing his own team out of it. I mean, this is mm. it's more. It's, that's more South Korea than North. Yeah, yeah, Ollie Horgan would be delighted for with the Finn Harps uh, media <laughs> officer. But in, in any event, uh, yeah, so go and talk to Park. But the Clone are actually third and they're playing UCD, the winner of which will go second. Um, I've, I've actually really enjoyed the games in the first division, and I think everyone is itching for, for crowds to come back as well. But uh, yeah, I might try we and get the fixtures. The, we, yeah, we have, have the, the fixtures, fixtures here. On. Let's start with the first division victors while we're talking about it. Uh, Athlone, UCD, Treaty, Bray, Cabin Teeley, Wexford. Um, you're, you're, uh, you're looking like Ian Ryan having taken the, the Wexford job. Uh, Shelburne, Galway United. Very handsome. Cove, yeah. Cove, Cove Ramblers, uh, Cork City in the uh, Cork Derby. Um, yeah, Cork, very hard to know where they're at from that game. I mean, with 10 men, they really struggled in the second half. This, a lot of spirit, didn't really create anything. They, they were all Friday night. First division, the first, uh, sorry, the Premier Division, Finharsley, Saiga Rovers, this is in the early game. That's 5.45. Yeah. Um, and then it's Pat's Dundalk. I mean, somebody somebody who would be a decent judge said to me, oh, I knew Dundalk had turned it on against Shamrock Rovers. I, I, I actually backed Shamrock Rovers um, against Dundalk and I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't believe if, 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 if it were a draw, I got half my money back. So there's no way in the world of God Dundalk would beat them. And then, then you go and see that, fair enough, whatever, you lose your money. Then you go to the game on Monday night and they're, they're insipid. Like, and the, the theory was that they'll, they'll turn up against Rovers. There's a bit of rivalry there. Didn't didn't bot, didn't try a leg against uh, Bowes. Yeah, listen, we've had our Dundalk. We've had an Dundalk review earlier, Johnny. We can't have it twice. What in they one do show. against Pats, I don't know. Drawda United and Derry City is uh, a fascinating game. Drawda, one of the form teams in the league, and then on Saturday, Longford, who really are struggling. They've had one win, and that was against a desperate Derry City in game one. Uh, host Shamrock Rovers doesn't get any easier though. They could be playing them at a worse time, and also at four o'clock Saturday, it's Bowes against Lowly Watford, Dan. Yeah, although I don't know, I think at the moment it might be the best time for Longford to play Rovers because they're down so many bodies, you know. And, oh no, absolutely. Um, sorry, yeah, that's that's what I meant. In that Rovers, yeah, Rovers sorry, are sorry, yeah, definitely not as formidable. And Longford, I mean, so consider Longford from them. Yeah, they like Longford led, you know, so long into that game. I listen. I, uh, you had a game at the weekend. Longford have I'm not Pats on Dock on Friday. Yeah, like Longford and Dock have. So Longford have. Like come close to winning games, even like the Dundalk game a couple of weeks ago. I was at actually, I do have a piece in the paper on Friday, just sort of comes around from that trip. Took me a while to get it out there, but um, just about just about how Longford um didn't really get the chance to capitalise on promotion, although they've got great yeah. support locally. You know, I spoke to James Donnelly down there. He's the only club's only full time employee. A Dervin, the local lad, you know, the postman. We probably should get A on at some stage, really. Um. You know, and the real it is that crowd point which we keep going back to. I mean, you have you can't make the same point every week, but at the same time, it's something that you live and see every week. You know that that Longford really like the you should get some buzz from from promotion. You know, like you should get 
Rovers coming to town and the crowd to come with it and that sense of, you know, that sense of occasion, that sense of promotion was worth it. You know, that that's like I was talking to James Donnelly about it and he was making when he actually really sympathized with the Shells fans who were back in the Premier enjoying life when the stadiums were shut. But like Sheffield United fans in mm. England, like when the stadium shut, Sheffield United were having a season of their lives. You know, by the time they get back in properly, they're in the championship, you know. And Shells is probably, you know, a version of that. Like they were getting a real connection back. Now, I, I think, you know, I think it's 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 very possible to reclaim that pretty quickly. And I, I do believe that, that there will be a general sense of euphoria when our stadiums eventually do open. Um, but it's it, it just a, a striking aspect, particularly of Longford. Like you have Premier Division football back uh, in a sort of a remote enough place and, and you, you want to get the atmosphere and you know, are they getting that sense of enjoyment from it, you know, and that that, that they, they could have got. But anyway, they yeah, are well, they are the games this week. Yeah. Yeah. I should mention just just to say Jordan Gibson, you know the way you texted lad after the interview. Oh, thanks, William. Blah, blah, blah. He was a little bit worried about the reference to the beers on the bus. So it just if Liam Buckley is mentioning is listening, like it's all grand. He 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 said it in jest and he wasn't implying that they should have had beers. Like, would it do any harm to have a beer or two on the bus back though, really? Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, are we the best people to really judge that? Like, we're not exactly. I mean, we're, we're forty next year. We're, we're from a different era, you know. Like, forty. You know, you like. Mm. You know, would you would you have a couple of beers if you're playing Astro the next day? You know, I mean, mind you, having played earlier and and looked like someone who had several beers the night before, I can't really judge um, mm. on that. Um, and forty but, next year. Yeah, yeah. I listen. It's obviously. Compton Jess. I mean, I do recall Ireland playing uh, Ireland, Italy, Lille, which I think it was June 22nd, 2016, um, having a few beers after the game on the bus. And then they played France, what, the 26th, which is four days later. So, I mean, it does happen. Jordan Clearly, Grant. Clearly, clearly, I mean, I mean the thing about it, it's clearly never going to actually happen. Um, I don't. Think you know what's? Do you know what's alarming though? He didn't. He didn't seem to have a TV that had Line of Duty. I mean, is that? Where no, no. At? You didn't. You didn't pick up on his point there. Uh, that he, if he wanted to catch up on it, uh, he do, Oh, he, he didn't, didn't watch it live. No, there's no eye player here. Yeah, that's mm. the BBC. But I mean, as, as I pointed out, there are people who will sort that out for you. But we obviously don't. We don't endorse that. Thanks very much, Dan, as ever. Um, really, really erudite from both of us there. The last 10 minutes was like kind of junk time in a game where it was, I don't know, like, what was that game? Ireland and Holland in 19, what was it, 1990? Where they just 1990, it, it out. yeah. Yeah. So Mick McCarthy and Frank Reichardt basically agreed to do nothing for the rest of the game. Mm. I mean, some people say the entire show uh, aside from our guests, is often junk time. But I mean, thanks very much for future ticketing for sponsoring yeah. this great show as well. <laughs> and uh, four star pizza. I mean, the pizzas have just. <laughs> but yeah, it is a great show. Kept people sustained and so forth. Um, yeah, so it's it's obviously the break. So we'll reflect, yeah, I and listen, and, 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 and I mean, week. maybe next week, and and maybe and maybe next week, you know, you won't be able to again tell an anecdote where you've met the winner of the pizza in a urinal. I mean, this is now. A rec- you know, I would like one week if we didn't have a personal story involving you and the pizza winner for Come the integrity of like, When was the last time I shared a urinal? I, sorry, I didn't share it. Like, I was beside someone in a urinal. Um, I, I, assume just... I, assume, I assume it's the little things you miss, isn't it? Like, mm. you know, I, 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 you, you miss, honestly, He's the same listening things. in now. Like, I was... Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, I was in Tala the other evening, leaving, because you like, can tell it. I mean, and again, it comes back to the point that, again, we are the ones that are lucky enough to be able to go to games. And I keep making that point. But even in Tala, 
just a stupid thing like walking in the front door of the stadium and going up the stairs and just sort of, you know, half time maybe getting a cup of Bovril or a cup of tea, mm. generally go for the Bovril sometimes. The little stupid things that you, you know, you, you do them so often that you're an autopilot doing them and you realize you haven't done them in like 17, whatever, you know, 15, 14 months, whatever the hell it is, you know, just little, little match night rituals, little things that you normally go. It's like people listening who probably go to their favorite pub for a point after a game or whatever chipper van they go to at halftime or like the pies and daily mint. Will, will the pies God. and will, will the, the pies and daily mint return? Like, will, you know, will that have survived the pandemic? I mean, I really hope it has, you know, I don't want to have jinxed it. Oh, I mean, actually just the, the little uh, match night things. As we finish up, even the PA, like trying to G up the people in the Jody stand the other night, it was absolutely dead. Like they couldn't, the crowd and the subs, they didn't even care to clap the players in the pitch. That's how crap behind closed doors football has uh, become. Oh, and uh, by the way, I mean, we've actually managed to get through an entire show uh, without mentioning Dundalk last week because, I mean, it's like, weird things that happen in Dundalk. Like it's not even the top thousand things that have happened in the last six months. Jimmy's winning matches. Jimmy, the. Jimmy's winning matches a full time. I mean, really, like you're trying to pack up your laptop and get out of there with a match report done. And you're like, mm, why, why really are you adding you. this color? Because isn't it amazing? Like the Jim McGuinness thing is like uh, when you when you sprinkle a bit of GEA stardust into the League of Ireland world, it's always a weird story. I sort of touched on it in my newsletter last week. It's been a weird old time for like, you know, the, the, the GEA League of Ireland perceptions of each other with all that elite, non-elite stuff. And then people, you know, I heard even the debate somewhere is like, is, is Jim, would Jim McGuinness be too too big for the League of Ireland? And you're thinking, what about Paddy McGuinness? It's been mentioned as a possible Paddy McGuinness. Yeah, the comedian. He's been mentioned as he's probably about as uh, likely to get it as Jim McGuinness, given how well, the ball has run. That I, was that was mentioned to me by uh, somebody. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, listen. I mean, Paddy McGuinness presented "Take Me Out," didn't he? That Dayton show, which possibly could be. A, a true a true life representation of the dog's hunt for a new manager. You know, he actually uh, turns fifty actually, in a couple of years. Had actually yeah. gone through the process, but anyway, Jim McGuinness. I mean, I'd actually love to see him work in the League of Ireland at some stage. Whether mm. um, you know, just just to test out some theories there, and um, because I think you'll find, you know, I think he's got a. I think it would be a fascinating study. And to be honest, I actually think he's built up a, a CV now that he would deserve a crack at a job somewhere. I wouldn't be snobbish about it. But the flip side of that would be, of course, that that he shouldn't just land in to be the best job. And I think actually, if he did get a job, he might find out that uh, in his world, there's in, in this world we operate in, there's a lot of very good, innovative coaches. Um, I think he might he might actually find find it harder to stand out um, than than some would think. But anyway, we will. Well, it's the longest goodbye of all time, longer than one Paul Brady. This is a long goodbye. Yeah. Um, all right, we're done. We'll be back we next week. Done. There's no we'll break for us. Time, we're actually. back. Um, we're done. Yeah, that was uh, in, in association with futureticketing.ie. We're probably going to scrap their sponsorship after that five, 15 minutes. Um, nothing that's there at the end where we discuss Paddy McGuinness, Jim McGuinness, urinals, um, turning 40. And um, yeah. End the show, Johnny. End the show. End, the, end people's actually, suffering. It's it seems over. Like both of us desperately need a point. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to Adrian Carberry, John Caulfield, and of course. Jordan Gibson, the brummy, um, who has yet to watch Line of Duty. Um, but uh, I tell you what, he's doing his duty well for some Johnny, 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 you hang up, you hang up, you hang up. <laughs>